I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. I'm coming in hot. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the End Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partners in crime, my brother from Mother Mothers, Jim Cross. Randy Jowers and guys, tonight is episode three titled Big Dreams Turn into Big Things. Because in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to our guest, Ole Miss football star Kadarian Hill. But before Kadarian joins us, I got to go to you, Randy, man. Talk to me. How was the weekend? Daniel, remind me, what was yesterday's date? It was July 31st. What day is Halloween on? It is. October 31st. So tell me why yesterday, a rainy, rainy Sunday in Memphis, Tennessee, my wife decides that is the perfect day to decorate our entire house in Halloween decorations. All of it. I mean, is she planning on going on a vacation? Is she like, nah, bro. But let me tell you what's even better the joy in her face when it was done and during. She had my two youngest children doing it. Then my older kids get here today. My 13-year-old walks in and was like looking around. She said, you know what? I'm here for it. So I'm all alone, DB, walking through cobwebs like a haunted house. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, you know, I'm in the same boat because I feel like we're doing a little. Y'all know how we get down for Christmas decorations. Like, I feel like we're moving in that direction for Halloween. And we've got some big things planned. I will say that. Michelle's on her game this year, so y'all y'all get ready for that. But Jim, you got some pumpkins up yet, or what? Uh, I'm gonna blame Randy and Haley completely because my wife is at Hobby Lobby today, so I hate you guys. Well, the good news is is we ain't got to think about all that. What we do get to think about is college football, in particular, Ole Miss college football. So guys, let's get to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Ole Miss football star, Kadarian Hill. All right, KD, my man, how we doing tonight? And I'm doing great. How about you? Man, we are blessed as always. We're glad to be talking football again. Got a, a big dog in the house, man. It's it. You know, we've we've had a couple guests that have been big dudes, but I think you by far take the cake, my man. You are a a, a man. I'll just say that you are a man. Like I, I don't want to line up against you. I just want to be your friend. That's how big you are, my man. But uh, you know, before we get into the interview, a, a few weeks back, Jared Farlow and and some others put on an event for some kids at the Lafayette County. You know really just showing, you know, kids their true purpose. There was an inspiration behind that event. And, you know, just tell us a little bit about that event and how it went. Uh, so are you talking about the KD's Fun Day event? Yes. Yeah. Um, so about that event, um, this started way back in September, October. Um, God moved in my heart. He, um, he wanted me to start pouring into the youth. Um, this always started back with my mom. I always had a caring heart and I always knew that God had something for me. And I always felt like I was more than just 
an athlete with my shirt say. Um, I just feel like my purpose is in the ministry, really, um, to just uplift the youth and not just the youth, but everyone around me. So every Thursday during the season, I would go talk to the kids at CB Well and just come up with one word and define that to them and talk about something in my life and talk about a scripture that retains to that word. And um, I talked about Job. I love the story of Job. Um, just perseverance and just trusting in God and having faith in him no matter what happened to him. And um, I haven't been able to do anything for the kids this summer, been busy with some things. So um, it hit me when one of the kids that I talked to, she said, when are you going to do something for us? We miss you. And that really just made me feel some type of way because they are listening and they look up to me because some of them don't have father figures in their life. And I grew up without a father. And my mom, she stepped in as that father figure in my life. And I had a grandfather that passed away in 2010 that taught me a lot of things. And to this day, I still thank him and I look up to him. And um, I got in touch with Jerry, um, great guy. I called him my brother. Um, I told him I wanted to do a fun day for the kids of Oxford, the community, something free. The kids don't got to pay. And uh, I just wanted to give back to the community um, and let them know that I was once in their shoes and that they could talk to me about anything. I'm not the type of person with a big head. I'm humble. Um, I'm thankful that I'm the person I am today because all that ties in back to my mom, my family, and God, um, the way they raised me, mannerable, respectful. So um, everything went fun that day. A lot of kids showed up. Um, a lot of teammates helped me with it. And I'm just, I want to continue to pour in the community. And I got a bigger vision than just that. Like, I got something big that's going to happen um, with the community. Nice, nice. Well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of simple when you, when you, when you think about it, you know, the, the smallest things to you might be, be the biggest things to someone else. And I'm sure like as a man, when that kid came to you and was like, hey, man, we miss you. Where you been? I know that like brought you to your knees, I bet. Like, you know, you really feel that. And, and it just kind of puts into perspective, you know, you have some abilities and, and you're very talented. But, you know, giving back is its own thing. And, and to be able to, to share that with, with those kids, man, my, my hat's off to you and continue to do that. That's, um, you know that's being more than just an athlete, like you said, but you, you mentioned mom, you mentioned grandpa, but you know, I, I want to go back a little bit further. Like, where are you from? So um, I'm originally from Union Springs, Alabama. That's where my whole family is. Union Springs, Midway, Alabama. Um, I grew up in Eufaula, Alabama. Um, my mom, she moved to Eufaula when I was born and I've been going to school there ever since then but I always call Union Springs my hometown. Um, that's just where my roots started at. On Highway 82, I got it tatted on me on my grandfather's house still on Highway 82. So if I was gonna go there for just a little bit of time, what's the one thing I gotta do? Fishing. Fishing, I got you. I got there you go, that's my game, I'm on it. Yeah, 
Jim Jim claims to be a fisherman these days. He's out there catching bass. I think he he don't even know what he catches, man. It, to be honest, he just he he goes out there. I think honestly, because he's got a house full of kids, he's just trying to escape for a few minutes. So, but uh, you know, you, you mentioned mom and you mentioned you know grand your grandfather. You know, did you have any brothers or sisters growing up? Not on my mom's side. It was just me and my mom. So um, the bond we got, um, I get emotional because um, we've been through a lot. And um, I don't know any woman that's stronger than my mom, the things she's been through. And um, I thank God for her to this day. Like, me and her have an amazing bond, man. Like, it's just blessed to have a mom like her. She always, she never missed a practice. Growing up, my mom was at every single practice. Um, when I first started playing football, I didn't know how to play football. My mom would literally do football drills with me. She would let me tackle her. Like, she always wanted nothing but the best for me. Um, and I truly appreciate her. And I want to give my mom the world whenever I'm able to. So you, you mentioned as well as grandfather. So when, you know, what, what is grandfather? What role does he play in all this? Is it? you know, taking, you know, part of the dad figure? Is it just helping mom out or is it just kind of being a mentor and just being a leader? So um, my grandfather is a superhero to me. Um, I, and I truly mean that. I looked up to my grandfather with everything. I always, my grandfather is a big guy, um, real big guy. Um, was always in the weight room. I hear stories about him back in the 90s, 80s, where he would lift the back of like dune buggies up, cars, um, put tree stumps on his shoulder and carry them. Um, I just heard a lot of great stories about him from my mom and his sisters. And he would even tell me himself and not having my father in my life, my granddad stepped in and played that father figure. Um, he always called me champ, the champ. And he would always say the champ is here. and I even named my pit bull Champ because it meant that much to me. Um, when he passed away in 2010, I felt like that was a part of me that had passed. Um, he passed away from pancreatic cancer, stage four. And I spent that whole summer with him and I enjoyed every moment with my grandfather. And to this day, I remember everything he told me, everything he taught me. And um, it's just, you know, people like him one day really make you want to just do right with your life and go to heaven. Um, before he passed away, he told my mom, God is real. And um, it's just, that's what really pushes me every day to have a great life and treat others with respect and um, just get close, <clears throat> closer to God because I want to see him one day again. And I know I will. So, um, I appreciate him to this day. And he always told me before he died, he gonna always be at every game. And um, that's why I wear number 55. He passed away at 55. And uh, I still sometimes wonder like, what it'll be like with him still here. I know I would talk to him every single day. Um, he called my mom every morning, every morning they would talk. And I know it would be the same with him. Um, when I was a little kid, he used to wake up before the sun got up I remember this every day. He was this type of guy and we had a long driveway and he would walk the driveway every morning. And um, 
we loved to go fishing. He was a jack of all trades. He would, he know how to fix washing machines, anything you want him to fix, he knew how to fix. And he would just pick up worms from out the driveway and we would go fishing every day. That's all we did. Um, if I needed anything, he would be there for me. And he was the definition of a father. So, so let me ask you this. All right. So you, you, you had mom, you had your granddad. After a bad game, who's giving you the business better, mom or granddad? I really would say um, I never really had a bad game. I didn't have a bad you game. Had a bad oh, game. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I growing up, I just always was the biggest. I would just dominate. And um, that's just God-given. And I appreciate God for that. Um, but like I said, I'm more than an athlete. He gave me this, this tool to be able to uplift others. Like, this is a platform. And my job is to show the world what God done for my life and the things for them. That's a that's a great answer. And I believe that, too, because um, I have a feeling like you were always the biggest kid, no matter what team you're on, you're the biggest kid and probably the nicest kid, but the scariest kid altogether. So, like, you know, I, were you always a big kid or did, were you you just got I mean, how does that work, man? I, I just picture you just being the biggest kid, and now you just continue to grow, just big. In fifth grade, how old are you in fifth grade? Ten years old? Ten? Yeah. So fifth grade, I was wearing a size 10 in shoes. I weighed 185, and I was probably 5'11", 6 foot. I hit a growth spurt in fifth grade, and I've always been the same height ever since. Each year, I just got bigger. My eighth grade year, I was playing middle linebacker. I was like 240. And I just got bigger ever since. And I just always been the same height. Daniel. So always been the longest and just the biggest. And I think that just comes genetically and from my granddad's side, really. Because my uncle the same way, his younger brother. Daniel, I graduated at 165. What'd you graduate at? Um, probably 285, 280. No, no but Daniel, what'd you graduate at? 185. <laughs> my, my, my man weighed more than us in fifth grade. I'm telling you, man. I, I could have like, if I was, like, nose tackle, I would just sit down, like, if you was playing middle linebacker. I, would, I, I wouldn't do nothing. I'd just be like, he's got it. He, we, he's got me. Um, You know, I I always picture, like, you know, you know, we've had a couple guys on that, that have always said, yeah, I was always the biggest kid, you know. But I always picture like you going to the game and then the other team's parents asking to see that kid's birth certificate because they just don't believe it. Like, have you had any situations pop up like that as a kid? So, man, I wish my mom was on here. Um, I had that many times, not even just football games, but restaurants. Like, I love Chinese food. So we would go to the buffet and my mom would tell them how old I am. And they would be like, can I see his birth certificate? So like, it it always something that I saw growing up. They they probably when they saw you coming, they they had to ring the bell or some type of alarm in the back. They're like, "He's back." I mean, I bet I bet you I bet you guys like football guys just punish buffets. I I, I just picture like just putting a hurting on any buffet there is, man. 
I love soul food, man. That my grandmother, um, she could cook. My mom could cook. So every time I come home, I gain at least about five pounds. Well, if, if they're anything like like my mother and my grandmother, they didn't know how to cook for just a couple people. They know how to cook for a whole army of people. So there's, there's always plenty of food to go around. Yes, sir. So, you know, outside mom and outside grandpa, are you looking up to athletes? Like who who else are are you looking at to inspire you? Are you looking at, you know, guys that are playing pro ball? Like wh what is it? Oh, so growing up, you probably heard of Courtney Upshaw. Mm -hmm. um, he's from Ufala, Alabama, and I just always looked up to him. Uh, I remember, I wouldn't say um, we were the poorest or anything, but I would say that we, I didn't have everything that I wanted, and that was okay because my mom made sure that we had enough. And uh, so we didn't have cable um, when I was young, and so we had a radio and I would listen to the radio. And um, I listened to the BCS National Championship game um, when Courtney Hopshaw won MVP and uh, when they played LSU in 2011. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember him saying, touch that thing, folks. And I just always looked up to him for what he stood for, his background, the perseverance he had. Until this day, me and him talked. And uh, I look at him as a big brother and Throughout middle school, I wore number 41. And then when high school got here, that's when I wore 55 for my grandfather because I had to tell myself, you got to make a name for yourself. And that's what I did. And I'm still making a name for myself to this day. So, KD, backtracking just a little bit. Before we get into high school, though, we read an article from the Union Spring Herald about your passion for dogs. Tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, we're all dog people on the show, but tell us about your passion for pups. Like, that comes back from my mom, my granddad. I just love dogs. I grew up around dogs. Like, I don't know what it is, but they are man best friend, man. I, when I get older, I want to have one of the top kennels in the nation. Um, You got to start from somewhere. I truly don't believe you just going to grow like that. Um. You got to be patient, and that's one thing I learned through life. Um, it's on God's time and not on your time, and he knows what's best for you. He don't want to give you too much at one time. Now, so, that's ironic coming from you, KD, being 185 pounds in fifth grade, that you ain't going to grow like that. Hey, but <laughs> but here, here right here, KD, here's some proof that, that what you're saying is something that you believe in, despite what Randy's saying. So take a listen. Um, basically just taking one day at a time, getting better, working on small things and making sure I get 1% better each day. See that, Randy? That's proof that he just wants to get a little bit better. He ain't trying to, like, build Rome in a day. He just, you know, he's going to do the very best, get a little bit better, and before you know it, man, it's going to be owning things and running them. I respect it, and I, and I believe we're going to see it, KD. We'll be looking out for it. You got a name for it yet? Uh, HBK Hillboy Kennel, got my LLC, so um, I got my Instagram page, so you can go check it out, um, USBR ABKC registered, and a couple more years, I'm going to be a top breeder out there, not just foot, well, not just in dog breeding, but I want to be a top NFL player as well. Hey, hey Randy, at least, at least Katie came on here, you know, I've seen the picture of his dogs, you know. Morris, I run into Morris, and Morris got, you know, he's he's a large man, and he got the little baby dogs. At least KD got got real man dogs. No doubt, no doubt. Well, if anybody's looking for 
to a little NIL deal. Sound like my man KD. I'm sure there's a lot of breeders that could help get you started, but you sound like you got a great start. But you talked about kind of where you grew up and where you moved to. For everybody that does not know, what high school did you attend? You follow high school, you follow Alabama. You follow Alabama. So you're tabbed a three-star recruit by 247 and Rivals. Rivals got you ranked as the number 25 player in Alabama. Did you think you should have been a little higher, KD? Um, yeah, most definitely. But at that point, I just felt like a baller going to play. You know what I mean? Yeah, Eric, yes, sir. He was a three-star, probably lower than a three-star, if I'm not mistaken. But they going to always find you. Um, effort and your heart gets you noticed. And just take it one day at a time, like I always say. I truly believe in that. Um Work ethic, hard work always beats talent when talent's not working. Absolutely. So you total over 100-plus tackles for the Tigers in three seasons, including 52 as a senior. So what happened that senior year? To just You got half your tackles your career in high school all in one season. It just all come together for you that season, KD? It all came together, and that, that goes back to hard work. It's not going to happen on your time, but it's going to happen on God's time. And when it happens, the world going to notice. Absolutely. It's all God's timing, right? So I got a question for you. This isn't a this or that just, just yet, but I do have a question. What's a, what's a better feeling for you? Sacking a quarterback or stuffing a running back dead in his tracks in the backfield? I call myself a, I'm really a run guy. So I love the run. So I would say stuffing a running back in the backfield and celebrating with my teammates. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you could pick one moment from high school, What's your favorite moment on the football field? Playing a three-tech guard pool, and when the guy got the ball from the quarterback, I hit the man in the backfield. You said, what's, so you said, you're just celebrating with your teammates. What's the go-to celebration dance for you, KD? You got one? I play with a lot of enthusiasm and passion, and that all reverts back to the things I've been through. So I'm a very emotional and passionate guy. So when I celebrate – Whatever, just come out, just come out, man. You could see when we played Tulane, I suplexed the running back. I was just jumping up. It's just a lot of pain, blood, sweat, and tears that I I brought into this game. And a lot of people don't understand how hard I work, man. No, absolutely. So you get to play in the Alabama-Mississippi State All-Star Game. Tell us what that experience was like for you. For one, um, it was a blessing. I was the captain of the Alabama team, which um, shows a lot about my character. I wasn't even expecting myself to be a captain. Um, it was a lot of great players there. Um, me and Jacquez Jones, who played here as well, transferred to Kentucky, great brother of mine. And it was just a great experience. To this day, me and those same boys in the same group chat, we talk every day, Justin Ross, all of us. Um, so it was just a blessing. Absolutely. So at Ole Miss, you're, you're currently an FCA leader. Were you also involved in FCA in high school as well? No, sir. I didn't even know anything about FCA. I just attended church every Sunday when I could. Now, is that something that, you, you know, mom, grandma instilled in you too, to go into church? Or was that something you found on your own? How you, how you get to that? Um, my mom going to church every Sunday. But this all goes back to seventh grade year, seventh grade summer heading into eighth grade. I remember this like it was yesterday, um, revival, and it was a packed house um, at church, and the pastor asked, um, I was young, man, seventh grade, he asked, is there anybody that want to give their life to Christ today? 
and I was sitting with my friends. You know how the kids sit with their friends at church. My mom would get on to me when I would be laughing and stuff. And something just moved in my heart, um, grabbed me literally. Like I felt something pull me into the aisle and I walked down and gave my life to Christ. And I just felt like I was chosen. Um, my cousin, Tony Ellison, a great mentor to me. Um, he's in the ministry, me and him talk all the time. And um, he always tell me this, um, many are called, but few are chosen. And I feel like I'm chosen in a ministry direction. And when that time comes, I'm going, you know, shout and give that praise to the Lord. Absolutely. I respect respect you for it. So, KD, you kind of mentioned tackling your mom. Just real quick before we get into some more. Um, so, as big as you are, as grown of a man you are, when mom cuts them eyes at you, you straightening up, right? Yeah, most definitely. It don't matter how big you get, mama always going to be able to take you, right? I'm going to always be able to take you. So, I got a question. Obviously, you got the All-Star game. It all came together your senior year. But when did you start getting recruited for, for major colleges or any colleges? Eighth grade, I remember like it was yesterday. Curry Smart came and pulled me out of school. Uh, I was playing linebacker. He came and talked to me. This is when he was still the defensive coordinator at Alabama. I was going through spring ball at the high school, and um, they moved me to D-line. He came and talked to me, invited me to the camps. And Gus Mazan actually called me on the phone after a practice my eighth grade year during the scrimmage um, at the high school, trying out for the high school team. And they were recruiting me then. And Alabama recruited me up to my 12th grade year. I didn't receive an offer, but God has everything ordained and planned for my life. He knew where I was supposed to be at. And Gus Malzahn, Coach Malzahn, I got a lot of respect for him. He offered me my 10th grade summer in high school. Hey, uh, hold, hold on a second. I got to go back. Who, who was the high school coach that said you had to try out for the team? That's what I want to know. Oh, so basically it was, it was just like us doing our practices with the bigger guys, like the older guys. The Pretty bigger fun. guys, I think that was you, Kate. That was you. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how, Randy, you know, he, he said Alabama fell off senior year, but senior, senior year is when he got turned up. They messed up. Absolutely. I'm, hey, KD lets him know. He let him know a, on the field. That's a Kirby smart thing to do to pull the man out of class. Dude, you know, KD trying to get his learn on. They, they prevent him from doing that. Man. So, KD, for those that don't know, what were your, what were your top choices? Other than um, Ole Miss, obviously. So, really, the type of person I am, um, my mom raised me well. I'm a man of my word. That's one thing. I'm a man of my word. I've been committed to Ole Miss since 11th grade summer, hand into my senior season. And when all these schools start pouring in more, um, I told them, like, hey, I told them they got my word. Like, Coach Freeze recruited me, Coach Freddie Roach. And – I told him, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm a man of my word. I truly believe, like, this is the place where I need to be. When we first took our visit here, I just felt something just moving inside of me. And this was, like, home to me. Like, it just felt like home. So, I wasn't – I really didn't have no other top schools. It was – no matter how many – whoever offered me, no matter how many scholarships I had, Ole Miss was going to be the place regardless. Yeah, no doubt. So you get to Oxford, man. And, you know, some people are, are real excited, real nervous. You know, which one were you? A little bit of both. What was going on? I was excited, man. Um, just being a freshman, thinking I was going to play early. Um, 
but it don't work like that sometimes. Um, and that's what I try to tell a lot of the young guys. I tell them, don't give up and don't get down on yourself when you don't see the field as a freshman. Just be patient and take advantage of the scout team, periods. Like, that's when you get better. And I always let them know, just grow your faith in God. Like, I know a lot of young guys don't spend time with God. I, I didn't used to spend time with God a lot on um, reading my scriptures and stuff. But the older I got, the more I just got into reading my scriptures. And when you read those scriptures, that increase your faith because he's the same guy he was back then. And he'll never change. And um, that just really motivated me. And just that's why I always say God is right on time because your hard work, your hard work may not happen overnight. But when it happens, it's going to happen. And don't never look back and don't stop working because it's going to click just like that overnight. And you're going to know where it come from and you're going to know how to maintain it and just get better every day. Absolutely. Well, me, Randy, and Daniel, we've had numerous athletes on here who've talked about waiting their time. And, um, you know, some of them talk about what a blessing it is because of what they learn. You know, some people get upset, you know, they want to jump right in there, but they talk about what they learn. I mean, you talk about being on that scout team and, you know, so that red shirt freshman season, like, you know, other than the God aspect, just from a football aspect, what did you learn most just from being able to be a part of the program itself, but not actually, you know, being all the games? Um, basically, technique, man. Technique matters. I always thought it was the strength standpoint um, as a freshman. But when you learn your technique, it's just like day and night, man. And people notice it. Um, playing D-line, be a great D-line, you got to have great hands and eyes. And I appreciate Coach Roach for always helping me um, and teaching me those things. Yeah, no doubt. And it says, you know, you played two games uh, in that redshirt year. Did you get to play in Vaught-Hemingway in one of those? Did you actually get to be a part of the atmosphere that freshman season? Yes, sir. What was, it, what was that like when you just, man, going out there and realizing, man, it, it becomes real then? Man, like, like, yeah, like, like I said, man, I'm a very emotional, passionate guy because the things I went through in my life and for me to just step foot on that field, um, it meant the world to me because that was a dream come true. I always dreamed of these things, always had a vision. The way I think, man, I think big, I dream big and I truly, I don't have a plan B. I got a plan A because I know it's going to work out and, um, it was just truly a blessing to see my mom out there in the stands smiling at me. And it just meant the world because I knew all my hard work was going to pay off. Yeah, absolutely. So 2019 year comes around, man. You play in 11 games. You're, you're playing on special teams. You're coming in and out of defensive linemen. Um, so obviously that hard work starting to pay off. You're getting time on the field. Before we get into Ole Miss, I got to ask you a question, man. Because, you know, you see the LSU jersey in the corner. You see the LSU hat. I gotta ask you that 2019 season. You seen you seen Joe Burrow and the boys. How awesome was that offense, man? Be honest with me. From the other side, from the other side, tell me how how awesome they were. Until this day, man, I tell a lot of people. Uh, besides Georgia this year, um, before Georgia even won a Natty in this season, I told a lot of people that LSU team was probably the best team that ever played college football besides this Georgia team that just played this year, past year and one, but that team was different, man. Like, they was brought in and you could tell that they played for each other. And the team is um, 
brought together like that, nobody can stop them, man. That brotherhood is just strong. And you're not letting nobody in between you all. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I got I to bring up LSU because we, we kind of in low times right now. So, I had to go back to the high times. And you was, you was there to see it. So, I just want to get a defensive lineman's perspective of just, you know, because um, that team was good as a whole. But we obviously know the offense was the – was the juggernaut. Um, but, you know, for Ole Miss that year, um, you know, ended four and eight. So, you know, it wasn't the season that y'all expected. But obviously, um, as you see the years that, or we're going to talk about the years that follow, there's obviously a lot of growth that comes. Like, you know, just talk about the team and, and how you grow through that adversity of having a, of a season that just doesn't go the way you kind of want it to. Um, for one, growth ain't gonna be pretty, man. You gotta start from somewhere. Um, uh, like I told you, you're not you just can't expect just to jump up right then. First of all, you gotta build a culture, man. Everybody gotta buy in that culture as well, and everybody gotta work. You gotta be more about action than words. And once you get all three of those things tied in, first of all, it start off with the culture stuff, staff, um, and what they believe. And when you got a bunch of coaches that believe in you. It's hard to be beat, man, because that builds confidence, man. So um, that's pretty much where I'm at. And that's how we get where we at today at Ole Miss. Um, just buying in, man, and building a culture and just seeing how just getting a little taste of winning, man, that just makes you want to play harder, man. Yeah, and so the next season, you know, all the hard work is continuing to pay off as now you got eight starts at defensive tackle in 10 games obviously a shortened COVID season, but, you know, obviously um, in those 10 games, it's all SEC opponents, man. There ain't no, there ain't no bye weeks. There ain't no off weeks. You know, you're a starter now. What, what's the mindset? You know, you talk about the emotion that you have, you know, what's the mindset? You're a starter now. You got an SEC gauntlet every week. What's, what's going through the mind? Um, really first and foremost, um, this is just who I am. I, I truly put my faith in God because that's what I stand for. But, um, it was a blessing, man, like to see my hard work finally paying off because that was something I just always believed. Like I will be a starter in the SEC. And uh, that year was just a blessing to me. I learned a lot, man. Like you got to have a lot of experience, man. And you learn a lot from just playing the games. And I learned a lot from that year. And it really helped me this past year and just helped my game get better and better. You know what, Jim, I got another clip that really goes into depth on, on, you know, why he's able to go out there and, and really dominate. Oh, we actually have a chip on our shoulders this year. And every single game we want to dominate. So, I mean, it's, it's very simple. You got a chip on your shoulder and you just want to go out there and dominate. And it, it, it ain't about wins and losses. It's simply about doing the best that you can do and knowing that whatever's in front of you, you're not just going to win. You're not just going to beat it, but you're going you're gonna to dominate it. That's an amazing mindset to have, especially when you're talking about growth being, you know, unpretty at times. Like, man, unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. Wise beyond your year. Yeah, and, and with that year, you know, uh, I want to ask about a specific game, you know, because uh, I live in I live in North Mississippi. I'm kind of right there by Oxford and Starkville. Very familiar with everything going on between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And, you know, I want to talk to you about that atmosphere and winning that game. You know, just, man, how amazing was that? Um, 
the type of culture Kiffin is building, we supposed to win those games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, the, we're the flagship of the state. So like when we play Mississippi State, it shouldn't really be a big game anymore because we supposed to dominate those guys. <laughs> we want bigger than just the egg bowl. That's not what we just, we don't want just the egg bowl. We want a national championship. But look, I give you a good laugh, and uh, we we all three still laugh about it. Will Rogers, and we love him. He came on here, and he said he was going to beat LSU, and he said he was going to beat Memphis, which is Daniel's team. He didn't beat either of them. Anyway, so <laughs> with that, he didn't beat you either. So <laughs> yeah, my, my man Will going to have to step it up a notch. But, uh, you know, last year you did start in all 13 games. Um, you know, y'all went 10-3. and three. Uh, obviously, you know, so like we talked about the progress, you went from four and eight to five and five to 10 and three sugar bowl experience. Just, I mean, like you said, the culture is building like, you know, um, obviously didn't get the sugar bowl win, but what was that like, you know, the experience, you know, to have that much success, win 10 games, make it to one of the, uh, the new year six bowls. Um, I'm going to go back to this once again, cause this truly what I stand on. We supposed to do those things. Um, Coach Kiffin, a great guy, man, and he's really just building confidence in this facility, man, and you can just feel the energy around it. Um, but I expect those things from my, from us. Like, we want to be playing in a national championship in the playoffs this year. Like, that's the goal. But first and foremost, we got to get through fall count and take one game at a time. So, Katie, no doubt you bring up Lane Kiffin, and obviously I just got to ask, I mean, you talk about the culture that he's building. I think everyone can see that. How much fun is it playing for a guy like that and just the whole staff, not just him, obviously? Man, it's fun. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, you see the sidelines, my guy Jonathan Hess with the fire extinguisher. Like, when teams see that, that makes them want to come play for us. Like, they like, dang, these guys got a lot of energy, and they're having fun while doing it. So I got to ask you a, a real specific question. Obviously, the game did not quite go your way, um, but pregame, they're interviewing him on the field, and he, he everybody knows he threw the headset down or tossed it down and said, get your popcorn ready. I mean, do you guys, are you even aware of that before the game, or did you all see that after the game? After the game, like, I didn't even realize that the elephant had the popcorn, like, until like, it just blew up on social media. So I was just locked in, but yeah, I didn't know he did any of that. No doubt, showed a, a lot of passion, and I think that for you know you guys, it, it's galvanizing having a, a leader like that. I, I would think, but you said it that you guys, your expectation is to be playing for a national championship, to be in the playoffs. Obviously, there's big expectations for you guys too, and that's what you want, right? Because you should do those things. You got some huge home games this year against Auburn, Alabama, and. Maybe this isn't a big game, but it's Mississippi State. Is there any game that you're more excited about, or is it just all business, every game's the same? All business, every game the same. You should want to play Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech like you play Alabama. So nothing should change. Each opponent should stay the same. You should stay locked in each game. So, KD, you're better than me, because if I were you and I was from the state of Alabama and I didn't get that offer, (laughs) I might have a little vendetta against them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Um, most definitely. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. So we opened the show talking about your impact off the field, you know, and with the youth. How much does it mean to you to be on the Werfel watch list? And for those that don't know, the Werfel 
watch list is for the college football player who best combines exemplary community service with athletic and academic achievement. So, Katie, what does that mean to you to be on that list? A blessing, man. Um, like I go back, he's always on time. And I, I really do this from my heart. When God speaks to you, you need to be obedient to his word. He knows what's best for you. And this is my calling. And uh, I'm just doing what he wants me to do, man. And if I just continue to do this and shine this light on others, all it's doing is helping the youth. Like the community here in Oxford, the kids, like I'm impacting them. And when they get older and when they become successful, they gonna always remember me. And um, they gonna always have their kids like, just know like, hey, I had a guy named Katie Hill that would come spend numerous time with us and just always believed in us when no one else did. Because these are kids in the projects, man. A lot of people, they limit them and leave them out, but a lot of people don't know those kids can be successful, man. No, absolutely. That's a blessing for sure. So clearly the the goal for you, actually, I don't know, but aiming for the NFL, I would imagine, but we've heard you be interviewed and if football doesn't work out, um, obviously you have other things. You've mentioned the kennel, making an impact in the community, but could it be maybe motivational speaking or preaching? Cause I'm getting, I'm getting some vibes, man. The ministry is definitely on your heart. I can tell. So what's in the future if it's not the NFL? Um, most definitely one of those things, motivational speaker ministry, something like that. Um, my kennel and just being a positive person, man, I want to build a bunch of, um, shelters for the homeless people, man. Get out in the community. I want to, like, say, first you got to start with the youth, man. That's how we get rid of a lot of these things in the United States and the world right now because they are the future and they can impact this world as well. So that's what I want to do, man. Well, I'll tell you, KD, you know, not to cut you off, Randy, you know, we hear a lot of guys, Randy, heck, me and you talk about this morning, but a lot of people talk about it, right? They, they talk about glory to God and they, and they talk about being a good person, but, you know, actions speak louder than words. And I think that's the biggest thing about what we're seeing with you is it's not just saying it in front of a camera and just looking good. You're actually out there doing it. And that's the difference. Oh, yeah, man. I take that seriously. Like, like I said earlier, um, a lot of young kids don't don't read the scriptures and stuff. I was once one of those kids, but that all comes down to growth as well. And till this day, man, every night I'm reading scriptures. I every Sunday, Monday, I'm on the phone with my auntie for about an hour. We're going through scriptures. Um, I got Jeremiah 29:11 tattooed on me. Um, I truly have a lot of faith in God. Things get hard in life, and I, I, whoever listening to this, man, I, I want y'all to know this, man. When things get hard, don't give up. I know a lot of people say this, but it's true. Because when you've been through it, you can talk about it. But God is real, and he's always on time. I keep saying this because this is a testimony in my life from some things that happened to me. But he always watching. And when you think no one is praying for you, it says in the scriptures, Jesus prays for you as well. So... Keep your head up and know better times are coming. Man, you you couldn't have said it any better, man. I I uh, I hope for those that are listening, I'm sure they will. They'll they'll get something out of it. They'll take a little tidbit here or there, and like you said, just make themselves one percent better every day. So 
man with that dude before we let you bounce we're gonna play a quick game that we play with all of our guests you down oh yeah i'm down man all right it's called this or that man i give you two options all you got to do is choose one option or the other can't say both can't say neither just whatever comes to your mind pick that one okay all right, so here, we'll, we'll start off slow, a little easy toss-up question for you. Are you a pizza guy or are you a tacos guy? Pizza. What are you getting on your pizza? You better not say pineapple either. No, nah, nah, I think that's weird. Um, <laughs> I love meat lovers pizza. Yeah, that's it. That's what's up. Do you put, do you put down a whole pizza? I mean, you a large dude. Man, I kid you not. I was eating the whole pizza when I was in fifth grade. <laughs> he's going to leave you. He's up to two. I had all <laughs> in fifth grade. <laughs> so, so obviously, a, a guy, you know, who who's going to eat a whole pizza needs to be in the gym, right? So <laughs> when when you're in the gym, are you a, a bench guy or are you a squat guy? You already know, upper body. Man, what, what do you, what are you benching? Probably 450, no doubt, 450. Mm, if I, 360, we that's work. like a warm-up for 360? I, I rep that. Like, I work out with that for five sets of three, 360, when we work out on bench. Daniel, that hurt my feelings. I did 375 barely today. And uh, incline, I'm doing 335, repping that out. Mm, mm. What are you squatting? Just just curious to know. I mean, uh, I say that like it's nothing, but I got guys like Jalen Cunningham, JJ Pegues, that's probably squatting 700. Man. That's... My God. legs just snapped thinking about it. I know, man. <laughs> In time. That, that, I, I'm, I'm depressed just hearing those numbers. I might as well just stop working out. I'll, I'll never be able to do that. But, man, I, I'm sure you guys are, are – you got state-of-the-art facilities. You got, you know – a good staff around you 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 do you know all the things that you need to do so i'm sure you're putting in the work man so it's it's only the fruits of your labor that 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 we're noticing man so keep up the good work there but would you rather be surrounded by bad company or not be surrounded by company at all not be surrounded by company at all do you think you could sustain without nobody just yourself I mean, God put females on the world for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear you. I can. I would say bad company because the person I am, I can impact their lives and change them. All right. I can see that. All right. Would you rather go to a concert or a sporting event? Sporting event, no doubt. All right. If you could pick one sporting event to go see, Bucket list, like I gotta see this at least one time. What sporting event are you going to? I want to go to an NFL training camp, man. All right. What Finally what tra- got out the NBA finals, Daniel? I know our last few guests they said they want to go to the NBA finals. So training camp. Who are you going to see? Aaron Donald. Mm. That's that's what choice. That's, the best to ever do it, in my yeah. opinion, at that position. Yeah, I heard he was pretty good. <laughs> so hey, he speaking made, of he Joe made Burrow rough. earlier. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly speaking where I was Joe going. Burrow. He made Joe Burrow's life rough. Yeah. So would you rather be in, in intense pain for an hour or 
dull pain for the entire day. So, you know, really sharp, intense pain, get it over with quick, or this dull, nagging, pain in the butt pain all day long? Intense. Pain don't always last forever, so intense. I get that from are you are you a roller coaster guy or a water slide guy? Man, I'm afraid of heights, so the, I am definitely not getting on a roller coaster. I think I'm too big for that. But yeah. I water slide depending on how high it is. Daniel, what was, or Randy, either yo, what was the name of that water slide that was really high at Adventure River when we were kids? It took me a while before I got the stuff Ger- up there. Geronimo, man, Geronimo. Yeah. I got a I got a funny story about that. We were just at the beach this last two weeks ago. And I told my son, he's 16, right, KD? I said, look, before we leave, you got to ride one slide, right? So he's like, all right, bet. He comes over there. He's like, Dad, I picked the slide. He's like, it's that one over there. And I, I'm not even playing. This slide went straight down. It was like I don't, 100 feet in there. It was like forever. I couldn't even see the top. This man is so scared of heights, but he's like, look, if you're going to make me do one, I'm going to do the tallest one here. Gets up to the top. Me and my wife are at the bottom watching him, and he stops. And I can see the girl. She's like, you got to go. You got to go. So finally he goes, comes all the way down to the bottom. He gets up, and he's like, are you happy now? (laughs) I mean, I would have done that one. I would have seen me. I was a smart butt as a kid. So if my parents had said, you got to do one, I'd have went to the little kitty one and be like, all right, babe. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So I don't know how much you know about Kentucky football, but they apparently got a quarterback that does some very awkward, strange challenges. Um, And for some reason, Jim thinks that he's got to partake in these challenges. I don't know if, if he's just trying to connect with his spiritual guy or what's going on, but you know, the, some of the challenge consists of eating a banana with the peel, like the, just not peeling it and just eating a banana. And then another challenge is drinking coffee with mayonnaise in it. So I ask you, which one of those is worse? Eating a banana with the peel on it or drinking coffee with mayonnaise in it? Drinking coffee with mayo in it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you a coffee drinker? No. I'm no. Not. <laughs> Well, if you were, you would know that's that's just no, wrong. See, that's where and, I'm going to disagree, Daniel, because I'm not a coffee drinker. I think it's gross. The mayonnaise helped it, bro. I'm just trying to tell you. Do you like mayonnaise, Katie? Yeah, I do. See, there we go. It it ain't it ain't it's that's a <laughs> it's not see, creamer. No, see, Katie, you appreciate this. That as a coffee drinker, that is a sin. That is a sin to put. Some nasty mayonnaise in your coffee. Katie, do y'all play Kentucky this year? Play Kentucky at home. Oh, there All you right. go. Look, hey, he can, hey, he can land on top of Will. Hey, and so when you when you sack him, just your celebration is going to be stirring the mayonnaise in the coffee. Yep, I'll be I'll be watching, KD. <laughs> All right, KD, last one, man. We'll let you bounce up out of here. Would you rather have massive success? I'm talking about like big time success, blow up success by accident. Or would you rather have just a little bit of success, some modest success, but it was very intentional and purposeful how you got there? Intentional and purposeful, man. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, hard. That's 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 where hard work falls into place, man. You Daniel, don't want to be. I thought about this though when that that uh, lottery got up to a billion dollars, and I thought about how I'd like to accidentally win that, and I'll take my success that way. Randy, I know you was thinking the same. 
Okay, look, let me tell you something. I heard this said to me a long time ago at a business conference, KD. A guy, I was listening to a podcast. He said, would you rather have $100 million given to you or earn $20 million? First answer, everybody said, I would rather earn my $20 million. The guy said, well, you're an idiot. Now you're $80 million poorer just because of your pride. And I really thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? Give me $100 million. <laughs> right. so, da- so Daniel's like you, KD. Me and Randy are trying to get rich easy. <laughs> I, 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 I'll bet on myself. Give me the modest success, and I'll bet on myself to have massive success. Well, I'll have $80 million more million than you. Not for long. Not for long. KD, you want a bonus question, man? You yeah. Want a bonus? I, All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, I, in, the group, in the group chat, I was asked to, to bring this up. So this was a question that in the last couple seasons we, we've asked everybody. It's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty good question. Um, it'll make you think a little bit. Would you rather spend 10 years in a coma or five years in prison? I got to do 10 years in a coma. Thank you. Thank you. The biggest dude on the show took your back, Daniel. Uh, Because there's two things that, that, that I know, and I'm not good at prison and I'm good at sleeping. So I know where my strengths lie. So let me take that little nap for 10 years. And it's still funny. KD, we'll we'll figure it out. It's still funny. We got these baseball cats coming on here talking about they want prison. We got the big football player coming on talking about give me the nap. Darian, man, he can't lie. These dudes get on here and lie to our face. They're like, "Oh, I take prison." I'm like, "No, you wouldn't." Katie, you know what I figured out from all the interviews we've done of these baseball players? They lie, bro. Let me tell you why. Two things they lie about. Number one, they all said they were hoopers. They lied. (laughs) Number two, they all said they would go to prison. Well, not all, but most of them said they would go to prison. So what I figured out is the baseball players, they lie. Yeah, we got to pray for them, Katie. Pray for them. KD, you know, the, man. Your boys that just won that national championship, we need to pray for them. Because yeah. a lot of them was the ones that said prison. <laughs> yep. All right, KD, man. Anything you want to plug or promote? I know you got the kennels. You got all kinds of stuff, man. Throw it out there. Now's your chance. Um, yeah, just the kennel, man. Support me on Hillboy Kennel on Instagram. And thank you all for having me on the show. It's truly a blessing. Whoever listens to this, I hope I truly impacted you all lives man hey don't you got some uh don't you got some cute little pups up right now that uh you need to get rid of yeah i got two um beautiful male puppies left eight weeks old up to date on this size a black try and a blue try um abkc registered mm, mm. if y'all are looking for a pet reach out to my man kd because i bet you got the best pups in the land my man also <laughs> On September 3rd, we're a sports podcast, man. So we got we to gotta bring this to light. September 3rd, Troy is coming into Oxford. 3 p.m. SEC Network, man. We wish you the best of the luck then and throughout the season. If there's anything we can do for you, man, please reach out to us. Let us know. Appreciate you all. Absolutely. That's Kadarian Hill, everybody. We're going to take a short break. Plug the sponsors. Pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to talk headlines. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy. Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench, and Ole Miss alumni, who is with REMAX, is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. 
I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. Have you struggled with weight loss, pain management? Maybe you just lack an energy? I struggled with all these things, and then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off The Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off The Bench code, Easy Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the In Off The Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you, and we're going to lead off with some Major League Baseball. Let's talk, Jim. Let's talk Aaron Judge. Let's talk about homers dingers you know bat flips which he doesn't do but does he beat maris's 61 record or or does he not even come close how many homers do you think judge actually ends up with by the i mean after this past weekend he he was trying to get on pace to be with maris and babe ruth and after this past weekend, he's now on pace with Bonds. And so if you look at where he's just at general, I mean, I would bet on him the way he's hitting. My question for you as a, as a pitcher, when he starts getting up there, are guys going to intentionally go around him to not let him get that record? I don't think he's going to have enough at-bats to get that record. Or, would you? Would you? Let me ask you, though. Would you pitch to him if he was – if he if he was almost there, like if he was two or three away, are you throwing him? Are you throwing him anything he hit, or are you just gonna throw everything on the outside or up and try to just if you want to swing at it, go for it? I mean, if I'm the Red Sox or the Royals and I ain't got nothing to play for, yeah, I'm gonna throw it up there and see how far I can hit it. But if I'm the Blue Jays, the Rays, or you know somebody who's got something to play for, no, not a not a chance. I'm throwing to that dude. But I I, I don't think he's gonna have enough at bats. And the back half of this second half to be able to to stay at pace or to break either one of those records. I just think they're up 12 games. They're at 70 wins. I mean, you know, what you want? You want them to win 140 games this season? Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, they may have to if if they care about being the number one. The way Houston's playing, they, I mean, they'll have something to play for. They won't have to worry about division, but they'd still have to worry about being the the home team in the american league yeah but i mean one or two it ain't you want one or two you'll you'll take either one of those and you're not gonna try to go out there and overuse players for a, a a one or two spot you're just gonna play your game do your thing and and win your division and I get mean, in i mean think about this i mean i so i looked up he needs 18 home runs in 58 games uh that's more than attainable absolutely it is he's on pace to hit 67 but look just to name off some uh, on pace through the same number of games there were 114 games not counting today barry bonds at the same exact pace 73 and 45 when he got he had 45 home runs at the same time so he was two ahead mark mcguire in 98 had 44 at the same amount of games Sammy Sosa at 37, Aaron Judge at 43. I think he gets it. I understand what you're saying as far as teams may not get to him. They might not be trying to win um, 140 games or whatever, but 
I think he's getting there. I don't think he's going to hit 67, but I think he gets 63 just to break Maris's record. He's not breaking, you know, Bond's record. No. Yeah. I mean, should we even talk about home run records unless that's the number? I mean, I think in Yankee, because the Yankees are such a big story that, yeah, Maris, breaking Maris's home run record, I think means more to Yankee fans than Bonds does. Well, the, the interesting dynamic is if you've seen the movie 61 was what happened to Roger Maris as he was being um, basically, you know, persecuted for breaking the Great Babe Ruth's record, whereas now we're so far past that that, you know, and people love Aaron Judge in New York that they want him to do it. But, you know, if you go back and you watch that movie, which is, uh, according to people, historically accurate, um, nobody wanted Maris to break Babe Ruth's record. True. I mean, that's true. I mean, everything's – it's all revisionist history, right? Now we look back on it like, oh, man, Maris was this – greatest home run hitter in Yankee history but yeah you're right every in the moment we never think like that and I think that's going to hold true to a lot of greats that we saw I mean we've already seen that happen with Kobe we'll see it with MJ we see it in baseball we will eventually look back on Barry Bonds as the greatest baseball player to ever play we just don't right now because of the steroid thing and he was an asshole I mean that's what it is (laughs) yeah I mean you it's historically baseball is all about that larger than life player Babe Ruth was that guy for so long. And I think people probably didn't want that home run record to be broken. But, you know, that's part of the game. I think evolution of players, evolution of technology, evolution of just knowing, knowing how, you know, the exit velocity and just pitchers throwing harder and all that kind of stuff. Randy, how many games did Babe Ruth do it in? Because we're talking about the, the season difference well he i think it was still 162 but in 1927 he had 60 home runs yeah it was in 162 games okay i mean i didn't know if it was less games yeah and it, it was a it was a rough 162 for that dude too because you know he was out there so for the pace in 19 this is i love these kind of stats in 1927 through the same amount of games when babe ruth did hit 60 through 104 games he had 34 so Aaron Judge is nine ahead of that pace. But let me ask you guys a question, and I don't think I think I know the answer for the three of us, but do you think there's going to be an asterisk on this because so much is made? We've heard it about Tennessee baseball. So much is made about the short porch in Yankee Stadium, new Yankee Stadium. No, you can't. That can't be a, a factor. I mean, it. if you really want to go back and, and think about home runs, there were fields that were – just ropes in the outfield they were just big fields so i mean like when you think about it no like the guy doesn't get to choose his home stadium but he also has played you know almost the same amount of games away from yankee stadium so like and and shame and shame on him for being a lefty and hitting the short right field ports he should have been born and and hit the other way and I'm sure this stat is out there, but I guarantee you, you could go find. He's not hitting home runs that are just barely over that short right field. He's hitting well, well that and that balls. and that was what was funny about what you said about Tennessee when people used to say that. Yeah, it was the first thing you'd bring up. These things ain't going five feet over the fence. They were going fifty to hundred feet over the fence. Absolutely. Right. So we got trade deadline. You know, almost here, honestly. But you know, Randy, I'll start with this. Um, Breaking news. You got the, the Cardinals 
picking up uh, Jose Quintana from the Pirates. So what you feel about that? Or do you feel anything about that? No, I love it because we've talked about it all year long. The, the Cardinals desperately need pitching. You have Flaherty, Captain Jack. You know, we obviously we love the guy, but he can't stay healthy. So they desperately need this pitching. They need somebody to anchor that staff. So I, I love the move. I hope this is not the end of the moves they make. And I don't, it doesn't have to be Juan Soto. I'm, you know, obviously I want that guy, but they need arms. But was it, was it not you? And it, it may have not been you, Randy, but did, didn't you say you told me you would take two arms over Juan Soto? It may, it may have not been, but that, that would be yeah. my agreement. I would rather, no, depending on the arms, sure. If we're talking two starters, doesn't have to be an ace and a, and a two, but a two, three or some, a, a bullpen guy that can take you two, three innings or, or a dominant closer, sign me up. Yeah, yeah, because I, it isn't scoring runs that's our problem. I would prefer a veteran guy that can get you out. Not, you know, it doesn't have to eat up a whole lot of innings, but it's got to eat up quality innings it, over another bat. Like, that's that's just me right now. Um, you know, but, you know, Ray, the Rays, they pick up uh, Peralta. That's actually, you know, some people are like, well, well, how big of a deal is that? And I'll, I'll tell you guys. So right now the Rays are depleted. They've got uh, Kiermaier and Zanino out for the season. They got guys like Man Manuel Margot. They got Wander Franco out. Big time contributors on this team. So having, you know, a guy like Peralta come in that can fill a void at least until guys like Margot are back um, is huge. Um, obviously, I don't, you know, some of the things that I've been reading as far as the Rays go, they're not looking to win a division here. They're looking to win a wild card and, and, and hold pace. And I think bringing in a guy um, like Peralta will help do that. I don't know what, what you think about that, Jim, but to me, I think that's, that's a, a win for the Rays and probably the, the biggest thing they could have done right now. Yeah, and because we talked about it on last episode, obviously uh, Randy wasn't able to hear talk about it, but we talked about, you know, what the Rays needed to do, especially with the fight that they have for the Blue Jays. So anything that improves their team, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is an improvement. So um, for a Rays organization that finds themselves in the right spot um, and getting quality guys, I like it. Speaking of another team that's pushing for a wild card, the Mariners are, are they're picking up uh, Castillo from the Reds. Randy, is, is that? Is that the move that puts them there, or are they still, you know, scratching for pieces here? I mean, obviously, Castillo's a super talented arm, and when you got a chance to get a guy like that, you do. I don't think that necessarily puts them over the top, but it gives you – it puts you a little higher. So maybe now instead of having a puncher's chance, you know, you can last a few rounds. Do I see them going head-to-head -head with teams like the Yankees and Astros? I, I don't. But this definitely solidifies well, your rotation. Interesting you brought that up because he gets to make his debut for the Mariners tomorrow, or excuse me, Wednesday against the New York Yankees. So he's a game. Find out, we're gonna find out real quick. Well, so let's say let's say the, the Rays and Mariners do make wild card. Do they have the juice to play with the Yankees and the Astros? I I if you're asking me based on history and the playoffs, I think Tampa can play with anybody. Um, but this year is obviously a little bit different. Uh, Randy, since you weren't here for it, we we talked about the Yankees and how they 
even when they've had these juggernaut teams, find a way to fall short. Do you feel like this team fits previous year's categories, or do you think this team is actually legit and will stay the course? I think they're going to stay the course, and I say that because you got guys that are having like a resurgence, a guy that we all know and love and Matt Carpenter. You have just enough veteran leadership on that team. You got obviously great pitching, hitters all up and down, guys coming into their own like Aaron Judge, having an MVP-type season in the AL. Uh, so, no, I think this is different. You know, they're not built necessarily on just all flash and smoking guns. I think this team is built – not only built for now, they're built to last. This team's pretty young. And I think we're just going to have to hang it up. Houston's going to be good. <laughs> Forever and always. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is that they're doing down there. I mean, Well, we do they, know it. Are they still cheating? I mean, this? They, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, they've – they know the recipe to to being you know good for sustainability and for long periods of time because here they are again you know one of the top teams in the league and and probably going to finish one or two in the american league and you know unless something just tragic happens but i don't see it um but when we look at the national league jim you know we got to talk austin riley man he obviously he gets a he gets a big payday today, and you know he's he's hot. They're still trailing the Mets uh, by three and a half, but um, our boy, uh, you know, Austin Riley get, gets gets a I guess what we would say is a, a very well deserved and probably long time coming contract that's gonna lock him up long term for Atlanta. Well, before we talk about the contract, let's just talk about the month as a whole. Um, he'll end up obviously getting the Player of the Month, but. Um, set the franchise record for the Braves with 26 extra base hits. He's got three walk-offs this month. Uh, you know, I was there for one of them. So, I mean, have yourself a month, kid, and then start by August 1st getting a contract. So, July, just be the best player possible. Start August by getting paid. But um, $212 million over 10 years. I'll let Randy do, you know, how it should be more. But nonetheless, um, for a guy who you remember we had him on and he talked about – him and Snit had the conversation last year where there was a possibility that he gets sent down to triple A um, and then midseason finds his stride, ends up being great all the way through the World Series. And then um, this year even kind of starts a little bit of slump in the very beginning, but then gets red hot again. And then here we are and, uh, you know, gets paid. And it just shows we talk about baseball being a game of failure. Um, this, is a, this is a guy who was close to going down and then now we see him at the at the top so um shout out to him for sure yeah i mean it's cool because we we talked to him on the podcast and very humble very down the earth kind of guy and you know we we asked him you know about contracts and about money and you know it was very you know matter of fact about you know it's not going to change him he you know he's gonna he wants to be a brave he wants to play for the braves he likes it he you know, he, he said he meshes well. So it's nice to see that they're they're invested in him long term because it seems like um the future of Atlanta is gonna, you know, ride on his shoulders these days. You're talking about the future of Atlanta, you're talking about a team that comes off of winning a World Series and now they've locked up their young nucleus in Acuna Jr. last year. Now you have you locked up Austin Riley, Matt Olson and Ozzy Albies. All those guys are gonna be there through 2027. Olsen's there through 2029. Obviously, filling in Freddie's shoes is not easy, but he's done a great job. 
Acuna has a club option through 2028. Albies has a club option through 2027. And now you got um, Austin Riley is going to be what through 2030. What? Man, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. 2032. I mean, so they not, they locked up everybody other than um, Dansby Swanson, which I think we all hope. Didn't, that doesn't Freed have done. a contract? I mean, didn't Freed get a contract last year too? Not long term, but he got uh, he got a deal. So I think that what you're looking at is that the Braves, barring anything crazy happening, and it's baseball, so people get traded all the time, even to have monster contracts, a la Bryce Harper. But the Braves have locked up every young guy, and it's so crazy when you think about it because, you know, coming in two years ago, go back two years, obviously the Braves had Freddie Freeman, and he was an MVP kind of guy. But they get Acuna Jr. He takes the world by storm, and he's every bit as good as advertised. And he gets the big deal, gets hurt, you know, misses the year. They win the World Series essentially without the guy. And now Austin Riley has really stole the show. Now, to what Jim was saying about the money, so obviously it doesn't take a mathematician to talk about this. Ten years, $212 million, that's a little over $21 million a year. The dude, if he had pushed this, and he's not that guy. You talked about it, DB. We've had him on the podcast. Money's not the big driver. So $200 million is life-changing you know, just generational changing money. But the guy could have probably gotten north of 30 million had he held out. But it just speaks to who he is and what he wants to accomplish. And not talking bad about the guys that do push for that money. Get all your money you can. But it just shows that Austin wants to really focus on winning more World Series, leaving that legacy and building a future for his family. And that's exactly what he's done. Kudos to Austin Riley and Atlanta Braves. Learn how to spell South Haven, bro. <laughs> <laughs> One oh, H. man. So, obviously, you know, as, as we look more into the, the National League, the Central, obviously where our team sits is, you know, that spot where they do what they normally do, just kind of hang around. Uh, they're three games back of the Brewers in the Central. Um, you know, Jim, I'll, I'll start with you. Are, are the Cardinals, if you had to give them a grade, are they – a, B, C, D, or F right now? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to give them a C. I, I mean, it would be like that B minus type deal because, um, like you're saying, they're not doing exemplary things, but they're not doing anything terrible to where you're ashamed to come home and bring that grade to mom. But, you know, we talked about the 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 pickup that they just made and in, in, in getting Quintana, if, if like Randy said, they can go out and get that other arm. I think it can change to where they'll be doing better because scoring runs is not, you know, been a problem. And I think also you gotta, you gotta get healthy. Um, you know, we've seen what happened since the young's got back up there. Um, you know, you've had O'Neill and Bader with injuries, obviously Yachty coming up. If you can get fully healthy, if you can increase the arms and I, th then I think you get up there, but I mean, you've got to give them a B minus all, you know, being able to hang around the way they have. I don't know. Randy, do we have to give them a B minus? I think that Jim's grading them on a little bit of a curve because, like we talked about, this is kind of what they do. You know, they're kind of um, the team that they, they don't really get into a rush. They know that being in first place in your division at the 1st of August is not the goal. Um, they got a lot of veterans on this team. Obviously, Yachty, Wayno, Goldschmidt, and, uh, you know, Aaron Otto that – they, they just know that as long as we stay within striking distance, we're good. So, I don't know. I'd say B minus, C plus. I think that's about where they need to be. They're not doing anything crazy. What really upsets me the most about the Cardinals is that they don't beat bad teams. They lose those series, and those are the ones that are unacceptable. But think about it. They're not going to be playing bad teams in the playoffs. No, but they got to get there. And the, uh, yeah. the Padres are, are, moving, are moving strong. 
Well, you... hey, before you get into Padres, ready? I gotta ask Daniel, your boy Paul DeYoung, home runs and back to back first two games. Is that a I couldn't wait to get back up here <laughs> chip on the shoulder? That's absolutely. A, that's a middle finger. I've ever seen it. Hey, but you know what? Shout out to Paul DeYoung because every time that he played, he was here for a long time in Memphis and the dude was nothing but class. Like this is a guy that's getting paid a lot of money and he didn't come down here and pout. He came down to Memphis and balled out, helped that team win a lot of games, signed a lot of autographs, did the right thing. Day yeah, in, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. I was going to say he signed autographs. I'm a little, I'm a little bitter still. Well, he was here a lot longer than Yachty. Yeah, he, he had a lot of time to sign a lot of autographs there, Jim. But um, you know, traveling back down, you know, the National League to the West, the Dodgers, I mean, no, I don't think anybody's catching those dudes. They're they're good. Um, Jim, are are the Dodgers, is it are they going back to the World Series this year? No. I think I'm calling it right now. I think just like last year when they were picked to win, whoever wins that National League East is gonna dethrone them. I mean, they're, they're, they're pushing pretty good, but I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. Are the, are the, are the Padres pushing hard enough to, to give them a run on the, the last half of the season? I don't know what it is about the Padres to me, but I see them. They, they, they're a winning team, but it just lacks something. When I watch them play, I just, they lack something. I don't know if it's hard or grit or what. That's what I, I was just, fixing to say to you. Does it not feel like they just don't feel like they really care? I mean, they really don't. I mean, you look at just the, they're 57 and 46, but they're only plus 32 in runs. Even the Cardinals are plus 67. Like, I just don't, there's just not, I don't see it. It's not substance. I think it's because the Dodgers are so good. I think it, they kind of get overshadowed, but I also think maybe the Padres um, maybe peaked a little bit earlier than what people had thought. So they put this a little bit higher expectation on those guys than really what they should be. I think the Padres are actually where, where I think that they belong. Um, they I don't are, know, though, DB, they went all in last year on a lot of these guys. Well, if they really want to go, go, go all step. in, if they really want to go all in the guys there to go get same thing with the Cardinals, the guys there to go get, you just got to go get them. We, we actually, Randy, me and you both, like we thought the, Padres were going to take that next step. Like, we were betting on them. I'll never bet on them again. Like the Angels. Oh. <laughs> I never bet on them to begin with. Well, speaking of betting, let's uh, let's uh, go on to NBA. Randy, are you going to make a bet? If Well, let's say this. If you were a betting man, would you bet that KD stays or goes? Stays. I just I, – I, I don't – where is he going to go? That, that's my question. I I have no idea. Like allegedly. Where, could, could, where could he allegedly go? Allegedly, I've been reading a lot on this Twitter. I'm on the Twitter black market saying to look for a deal to the Phoenix Suns. I don't see it happening, though. They just signed Aiton to the huge deal. He can't be traded until January because of the CBA. I, I don't I don't think he's going to be traded. And then I don't understand all of a sudden when you listen to these NBA experts talk about it. And who's going to be winning the East next year? Okay, let's think about this. If KD doesn't get traded, the guy wants to play basketball, period. They get, say what you want about the dude, but he wants the ball. You come back and you have KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, and we're not talking about that team could challenge for the East. I think that's kind of foolish myself, but I don't think he gets traded. Why would they trade the guy? You don't have to. He's under contract for four years. You want to hold out? 
okay, then we'll do what we did to Ben Simmons, and we'll find you every single day until a team is willing to give us another superstar or two to make up for the difference. And KD is a lot more valuable than James Harden. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I don't foresee it happening, and I think the Nets would be crazy to do it. I, I don't know. I, I would do exactly what you said. All right, you don't want to play, then all right, well, you're going to pay going to pay every time and i'm not going to feel bad about it um but it let's say jim let's say katie does hold out and he doesn't play is he going to be even more hated or is he going to be appreciated for that he'll be even more hated absolutely yeah Um, unless you're the team that he goes to then all of a sudden all all sins are forgotten right and then He's the greatest greatest player ever. What he needs what he needs to do is go back to find a way to go back to Oklahoma City, get them a championship, and redeem himself. That's what he need to do. Does <laughs> he need to just you know re, reunite? We'll, we'll send Stephen Adams over there. You we'll know, Russ before before you and uh, before Randy even talks, you know, I was just looking at it because uh, Westbrook signed his new agent today, and with that, I was reading the article. And and we always talk about Westbrook's contract, but my man next year has the most money owed in the NBA to him at forty-seven million dollars. Man, last year too. I know, but as it went up this year, that's the thing, though. Like, God, like he's not what he was a few years ago. I'm not. I mean, I don't. I don't have to sit here and lie about my boy. And so with that, like. If I'm any other team, I, there's no way I'm taking that contract. The Thunder would be the only ones that I could just, like, because they're not going to be good anyway, so you might as well sell tickets. I don't know. You know, you have a point, though, Jim. Not not about Russ, but about KD and the Thunder. The Thunder are one of the only teams in the league that has been stockpiling young talent. They could put a package together to bring KD back. But I got a question for you now. If you're Oklahoma City, they're a lot like Memphis, that small market, you know, it's us against the world. Obviously, like – DB said, I mean, everybody hates him until he's on their team, but they really hate KD for what he did to them. Do they welcome that dude back? Yes, because of what you just said. A small market team that hasn't – because, I mean, Russ by himself, he got into the playoffs, but they didn't really taste winning. So a team that got – that, you know, was winning when he was there all the time and, and making it to Western Conference Finals um, quite a few times, making it to the NBA Finals, I think, yeah, you welcome him back because you know how it is. You, you win games, people have a short memory and they'll forget things. And I, I was I was pulling up, you know, as long as you keep uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander at minimal um, and then put some put something else around, uh, you know, with KD, those two alone, though, I mean, they'll do all your scoring for you. I mean, you it, if you want to know if if players get forgotten, just ask the Cleveland Cavaliers fans. Deuce was burning jerseys in the street. Welcome that man back. Yeah, quick. got yep. him a title too. Yep, and they, they, they're they're thankful for that, and they they they're good for him to go. They're they're all right with it. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think of somebody who might have scorned one of our teams, and if we welcomed them back when they came. I don't well, know. I know Memphis will never, never. welcome Andre Iguodala. Nope. <laughs> but he didn't do anything big. Big for us. I'm talking about somebody who actually was significant. But then burned a bridge for one of our teams. Well, what what about this? What if Draymond Green came to Memphis? Hell no. That would not go well. Nah, bro. You're booing all. that dude out the city, bro. Yep. 
he he would be Andre Iguodala. He just would be like, but I ain't playing. To Jim's point, though, like that's even though he hates KD, like respect though. Draymond's not gonna come here and win you a title. Draymond is the most overrated player in this era. All right, so it just is. So to stick with like the burning jerseys and the way people reacted, it's no different than look. New England acted the way they did when Tom left. If Tom said I'm coming back this year, they'd all welcome him with open arms. That's very true. They would, but that was not Tom Brady's, not his hundred percent decision. And nobody even blamed the real culprit, Bill Belichick. (laughs) (laughs) While we're on NBA, guys, I guess you know it. It's only right to to give some some credit to bill russell 11 time champion passed away um obviously a guy that played you know not in the era that we grew up but definitely a name that we recognize a name that you know we you know associate that's you know synonymous with you know championship basketball was a coach a great player um a great ambassador of the game and you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, players all the time, but um, is there another player outside of you, like Jordan, that has the clout that someone like Bill Russell has right now? No, I mean, it's the greatest winner of all time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that was the thing. They lined up championships going back to whether you're talking about college, high school, and then even Olympics. Like, I mean, they're stacked. Greatest winner of all time. I mean, people all, he never even gets really talked about in the GOAT conversation because everybody is just, it's, I won't even say it's revisionist because, I mean, MJ's in the past too, but Bill Russell is the greatest winner in basketball history, period. And then just what he's done for the league afterwards, you know, we've seen him in Memphis. He's gotten, you know, some awards here when we have the MLK game. I mean, the, the guy was a ambassador for the game of basketball. And he played – you got to think about this. Dude, that dude played in a time when the NBA was, like, on delay. You didn't see that dude play for 24, 48, 72 hours after and in a time when it wasn't even – black players, they weren't dominating the league. They weren't the number. He was one of one. Yeah. Yeah, a, a big loss for, you know, the NBA, a big loss for the, the history books for sure. Um, but, you know, it – it just makes you you appreciate you know when you when you see all the accolades you know that he brings and the and the type of guy he was and all the winning it just makes you appreciate um like right now when when guys are as good as they are and they're having all these championships or breaking all these records it makes me appreciate as a fan that I actually get to witness that and watch that so that's pretty cool but guys it's time I know you all been waiting for this time. It's wrestling time. We get to talk WWE. We get to talk Ric Flair. We get to talk it all. I'm not going to bore you guys with the details, but I will start this this little this little part off with a, with a, just a question, Jim. And I'll start with you. Obviously, Ric Flair has his final match. You know, yesterday. Um. Was Ric Flair the biggest heel, biggest bad guy in professional wrestling? The reason why I will say yes is because, you know, they had a talk about it on the radio, talking about being a good wrestler, you know, and he wasn't that good a wrestler. And that is true. But what he was and what you've talked about many times with me, it's about being a showman. And that guy, as a villain, 
as a showman. And on top of that, like, you know, the things, the things that he would do, the videos, you know, you, you know, you're not supposed to like the bad guy, right? Like, but like you wanted to be styling and profiling like him, right? Like, you know, you, you as a kid, like you may not even like girls yet, but you hear him talking about these hundred women and you kind of want to like know what that's about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to, to add to your point, Ric Flair was the greatest heel there ever was. The reason why, you know, heels are a thing now is because he made it cool to be a bad guy. Let me um, ask you this, Daniel, you know, they, they asked this question. I want to ask you, um, you know, obviously I, I watched a good portion of his career, but did anybody, take more punishment in the ring than Ric Flair willingly. I mean, think about it. That dude took a lot of beatings. He'd win the matches, but man, he'd be bloodied up, hair jacked up. Yeah. I mean, outside of, you know, guys that do those hardcore matches. Yeah. Like in a, in a traditional match, he was, you know, having long matches. And, and the reason he was able to do all that is because the psychology and the, the believability that he made you believe one, he made you want to hate him. So when he got beat up, you enjoyed it. Uh, but when he was doing the beating, he made you hate him even more. But the the believability, the psychology that went into his matches are 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 far non hands down the the best you know that that probably has ever done it. And probably will ever do it. And he won the, the. We talked about this on our wrestling episode. Won the greatest Royal Rumble ever in our in our opinion, correct? Um. Yeah. Um. I think that was the era of wrestling where, like, I started like really become a a fan. And I want to say he entered number one and came out the victor. Like it, it was something that was unprecedented, something that was unheard of. But you know, uh, kudos to Ric Flair. Um. You know, just talking about his final match, Randy, obviously is the greatest heel. And he he ended his match, obviously. I'll give you this, man. He he did a 30-minute match. Um, the guy, as old as he is, obviously, he's not the same dude, but he was able to go 30 minutes, keep up, took some big bumps, took a a, a suplex um off the ropes, man. It just crazy stuff, but um, you know, inevitably got locked up and gave a, a low blow kick and, you know, you know, typical Ric Flair fashion and then threw the figure four on, on the guy and, and, and had him tap out. Um, of course he did. You know, I, I asked you, Randy, like, is, is there any better way for him to go out other than just being a hill and doing what he does? No, absolutely not. I remember the first Ric Flair was probably one of the first rushes as a kid and he lived by the motto lie, cheat and steal, you know, and so I loved it. And, and you see it now in today's game. You'll see football teams, basketball teams, softball teams, whatever it is, that give me two claps and a Ric Flair, and then they woo, right? I mean, that's, that's iconic stuff, right? So Ric Flair, even though we know Jim said it perfect, he was a showman, greatest wrestler, nobody even cares. Nobody's that. who was the greatest technical wrestler? Nobody cares. <laughs> and they want to know who was the most entertaining, and Ric Flair is at the top of the list. I mean, I think when you start naming names, I, you're right. There will be nobody to ever be a better heel and a better showman than Ric Flair. So shout out Ric Flair. Woo! That's right. You know, it, it's fitting. He he was it was a tag match. He got the tag with his his new 
son-in-law, um, Andrade El Idolo, and you know they took on Jeff Jarrett out of all people. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, of Memphis connections to Jeff Jarrett and, and Ric Flair, really. Um, but they've had their battles over the course of time, and, and, and it was kind of fitting and cool to to see them, you know, battle it out one last time. Um, but there was also, you know, SummerSlam, a big weekend in Nashville. All of these events were happening in Nashville. Saturday was SummerSlam. Sunday, Ric Flair's last match. Um, but, you know, just taking a look at SummerSlam, I'll give you guys a quick little recap because um, I think what you're going to see is a resurgence of the WWE. Um, obviously, with all the things that's going on with Vince McMahon, they got Triple H back doing the creative piece to this. Um, you know, Vince's daughter, Stephanie McMahon, has taken over the duties as CEO and chairman of the board. Um, and this is the first time where the CEO and chairman hasn't been in charge of creative um, in the company. Well, for a while. And I think you're going to see a difference when that person who's in charge is not writing the stories. And obviously, Triple H was a guy who did a developmental league of NXT and was highly renowned for the, the entertainment value. So you're going to start seeing some entertainment move that way, a resurgence in WWE to kind of compete with the, you know, the AEWs of the world. Um, but just to recap, Bianca Belair defeats Becky Lynch. We got Bailey come back. We got EO sky coming back. Got Dakota Kai coming back. Logan Paul. You guys know Logan Paul, right? Never heard of him. Man, he he wrestled the Miz and actually beat him and looked pretty good doing it. So I think you might see Logan Paul, you know, hang up the boxing gloves for a little bit and 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 hop in the in the wrestling ring. Um you had Bobby Lashley retaining US title over theory. You got the Mysterios beating Judgment Day Edge. You guys know Edge. He's back. Um he got hurt. Now he's back. Um ready to rock and roll. Uh, Ronda Rousey gets beat by Liv, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan retains the title, but it was kind of controversial. Ronda gets Liv in an arm bar, and the you know Ron, or Ronda's shoulders are on the mat. The referee starts pinning and counts the two, but then at the two count, Liv Morgan taps out. But you know the referee doesn't see it, gives the win to Liv Morgan. She retains. So a little controversy there. The big two things is that the Usos beat the Street Profits and Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar. Usos, you know, they are tag champs. They've been tag champs for a while. Roman Reigns, almost 700 days as the champ. Man, it's a company like Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, and guys of, of, of that stature that he's now um, in the mix with. But you know, I'll, I'll ask you guys before we move over to NFL, are you, is there anything in wrestling that, you know, interests you now like it did when you were a kid? And it, I, it may be tough to answer that question because you don't watch it, you know, as much as I do or follow it. Um, but what would it take to get you there? I mean, the thing about it is. Trish Stratus. <laughs> the thing about it is the things that used to be rare like 
cage matches or these different weapons matches, you know, all the, the dramatics and theatrics, they're used regularly now. So, like, that used to be the thing to get excited for. And then you just talk about, we were talking about the original Royal Rumble and how it was, like, I don't know, man. I'm just such an old school cat. It's not even the characters. It's just the way it all is, you know. Um, I think, you know, for you, you can take those old school, you know, cage matches and they are, they still have those, but they're on a larger scale. The spectacle that is the cage, the cage is bigger. It's a lot different. Um, you talk about, you know, just the overall move sets and the things that these guys do are, are, are not as bland or boring, you know, in some degree as what it was. There's a lot of high flying, a lot of wrist moves, a lot of fast athletic guys. I mean, you, you got guys that are seven feet tall that can, you know, jump and dive over ropes and do flips and stuff like that. So it's crazy. But I, I would urge you both just take, take, Take some time over the next couple of weeks and just check it out. Five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever yeah, it takes. I'll do it when you watch soccer. Uh, I've watched soccer, man. Done he went to a time. soccer went. match in person. Shout out, Grace. Went and watched her play. Did my thing. I was a man of my word. I promise. And I was there. So there's that. All right. NFL. I know you guys are done with wrestling. Let's let's talk. Uh, Julio going to the Bucks. I'll I'll hold my opinion for the end but randy i'll start with you good bad or you don't really care it's fine like it's fine I, julio's not the guy that he was in atlanta he's a guy that can still go get you a jump ball in that system it could work out really well because they have guys like evans and they but you don't have gronk anymore so if you're if you're down there they're gonna maybe they're gonna use him as that tight end weapon not as a tight end but you know what i mean He's going to be the guy in a touchdown situation, go up and get the ball here and there. But it's it's fine. It's not Julio Jones, the superstar, though. Jim, what do you think about Julio to the Bucks? Okay, so I look at it from a perspective of, like, say you're playing the Saints, right, and I start lining up the secondary against the receivers, assuming all Bucks receivers are healthy. And he's going to be a mismatch on somebody. And so – I'm not a, I'm a fan of it for the Bucks. I'm not a fan of it if I'm an opposing team. And here's the thing. We talked about health and nutrition, and that's the key when me and you talked about this on the phone. You don't have to play him a ton of snaps in the regular season. And we know how it is with Tom Brady in the postseason. So if you can just keep him healthy, get him acclimated to the system, and then have him come postseason, he's, he's going to be a matchup nightmare. Because I look at it on the Saints, because you're just talking about Gronk not being there, Randy. Like, I'm, I'm lining it up, and he's going to – if he was playing the Saints, he's either going to have Tyron Matthew from at safety on him or he'd have P.J. Williams. Give me Julio Jones in that matchup 100 out of 100 times. So, I like that for them because all the other guys are going to have to – are going to pull off your top your top DBs. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Julio's a win-win. I think it's a win for him because uh, somebody wanted him, and I think it's a win for the Bucks because – um, they're getting a guy who's serviceable. They're getting a vet. And I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. There's to me, I haven't heard any negatives about Julio in the locker room or outside the field being uh, the, the only a, thing a he, questionable guy. The only thing he ever did was, and, and I know this uh, vividly just because of Michael Thomas, he wanted to be the highest paid receiver right after Michael Thomas did and made it a point 
to push for that contract. But I mean, as Randy will tell you, they do that in every sport with all these guys. So get that bag, boy. But yeah, I mean, let me ask you a question, Daniel. On the on the flip side, to I know Tennessee's not the subject, but I want to ask you, AJ Brown. Um, you know, wasn't and and a lot of people will say it's because of the quarterback, but with AJ trash. Brown being the primary target now and and Julio not being any kind of focus when he is in there, is AJ Brown going to go back to this? magnificent season that he had the year before i mean if you're a, if, you're, if you're a titans fan you hope so you hope who for who aj brown don't even play for the titans no more oh that's right they got rid of him dang they got rid of him so they got robert woods coming off of a bad acl and i don't oh, know if you guys watch a lot of bad acls but it don't come back well I forgot all about them getting rid. They don't have their top Tennessee's two. Tennessee's gonna be receivers. terrible. Oh, and this shows you how can bad Derrick Ryan Henry Tannehill can is. Derrick Henry line up at wide receiver as much as he plays running back? Can they well, make can he line them? up at both at the same time? Is he Debo Samuel? We will never know. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you right now, Titans fans, you had your little run. You barely won the division. The Colts were banged up and had a you know has been a quarterback. It's over for you now. Taking back over the division. You got Robert Woods, which Robert Woods loved that dude. Wish the Colts would have signed him. They didn't. We got enough 40-year-old veterans on our team. But the Titans are going to be – they got Derrick Henry, and they got Ryan Leaf 2.0. I, Ryan I, I never would have brought them. I completely forgot, man. Oh, because that, that was an early move, wasn't it? It was. Like, it was. And A.J. Brown was the one that made all the locker room talk. He basically forced him his way out because he wanted the big payday, which, hey, I'm all about getting paid. But the way that you go about it, it has to matter. And I don't know that he went about it the right way. But he's with the Eagles now. So, you know, maybe that helps Jalen Hurts. It can't hurt you because A.J. Brown is a beast. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a win for them. But Randy just helped yeah. me for fantasy. <laughs> that's that is when I think about the Titans, they're uglier than what I thought they were. <laughs> so, Randy, there's no excuses. If the Colts don't take the South, man, I'm very disappointed, bro. Matty Ice, Jim, you know this better than anybody. How long have I wanted Matty Ice on my team? Man, and we don't get the guy until too he's late, bro. 39? My God. You got Matty Rice, not Matty <laughs> yeah, Ice. Yeah, I mean, they got Phillip Rivers when he was 40, going to get Matt, Matt Ice when he's 39. So, who's next? When when Matty Ice retires, which over Aaron Rodgers? Hey, I think, I think Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's going to finish his last <laughs> – Two seasons and hey, you know, okay, okay, <laughs> bet, <laughs> bet. Um, Debo, Randy, Debo picks up a big payday. Um, he's you know gonna stay locked in with the with the Niners. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about this because, like, I like I think he's worth it. Yeah, I think he you know he should be paid, and whether it's with the 49ers or someone else, but I don't know how good his quarterback situation is going to be right now. True. True. And I'll ask you guys a question though. Do you think that Debo Samuel is a top five wide receiver in the league? If you give me the last five games of the season. Yes. No, I'm going to say no. He'd be top 10, but the reason why I say no is because I don't have enough proof of him at wide receiver. As somebody who had him on two fantasy teams last year, I know he runs the ball more than he actually catches the ball. This is true, and that's something he wants to go away from. I want to read something to you guys. This is this is the these are the top five highest paid wide receivers in the league. It does not in any way match up to who the best is. Tyreek Hill is number one, thirty million dollars a year, not the number one receiver in the league. Um, you got Devontae Adams, number two. Don't think that's too far off. He's probably one of the best. 
Then you have DeAndre Hopkins. In my mind, for my money, you could argue that he's one of the best for sure. Cooper Cup, 26.7 million. He's fourth. Number five, AJ Brown, 25 million a year, 56.4. That's guaranteed. So he got the bag. So three out of five of them belong on that list, is what you're saying. And true. And then Debo's number six. So So he's the sixth highest paid receiver in the league. He did get this. Just real, real, one more quick thing. 58, 1 million of that's guaranteed. That's it makes him the second most guaranteed money for a wide receiver of all time. Number one, also signed this offseason, DK Metcalf, which this offseason alone has been the offseason for wide receivers to get paid. There have been 11 of them that sign deals that are north of $20 million a year. Yeah, well, but don't, and- don't DK and Debo have the same agent? Yes. But you talked about the quarterback situation for Debo. D- who the hell is throwing D- yeah. DK right. the ball? Hey, I'll tell you this, Daniel. The two best wide receivers are getting paid less than everybody because they own them rookie contracts. You know who they are. Yeah. I mean, and oh, they're going to get paid. They they will get paid. Um, and, you know, with, with we'll talk Jamar Chase right now, but obviously – if I have the opportunity, I'm going to draft him, Jim. I just want you to know that. Over, but I, I pose this question over know, everyone. Over Jonathan over, Taylor. Over Jonathan Taylor. But the rule has always been: you take the best back. And the but problem, what is, what is what is my rule? <laughs> Jamar, you're the you're the everybody. you you are the champ until someone beats you, and I'm gonna ride with my best player. I, I, I've, I've, I've had Jonathan Taylor. I've I been down that road. You, I've got my, I didn't like it at all. I've, I've, I've got my boy. I've at got my, all. No, I tell you, Randy, the problem was, was he had Jonathan Taylor and Nino Hines at the same time, and he kept trying to pick each week who was going to go off, and he picked wrong every time. And so, you know what? I just said, screw both of these dudes. Well, Randy, I'm telling you, as somebody who is a Chase fan, got the jersey right here on the wall, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor number one. Who are you taking, Randy? And Jonathan don't be Taylor, man. And it's not being a homer. I'm the, it's the same thing as Jim. You, look, Jamar Chase is absolutely phenomenal, but Jonathan Taylor is going to touch the ball more. He's just going to have more opportunities. I mean, if you look at, I, give me John, give me the best. Say, take the name out of it. Give me the best back in the league every time over the best wide receiver. In the well, what do you have? Just like, get more, Randy. We just on a guess. I mean, how many two hundred yard games did he have last year? Three or four for sure. I mean, the dude. I mean, he. What did he lead fantasy in points last year? What time I didn't like it. <laughs> you don't like having the well, most. He, maybe he didn't have him last year. I didn't have him last year. Well, okay, he got better. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> needed to get off your fantasy team. Clearly. I mean, he's projected to have three hundred and forty-eight points, and that's a PRR. And Jamar Chase two hundred eighty, which is. That's phenomenal. Without wait, hey, I'm gonna put both you boys on the spot. Without without look at well, Randy might have it pulled up. But oh, let's say you're the third pick and Chase and Taylor's off the board right now, just uh, on the fly. Who are you taking? I'm Justin Jefferson. Daniel. Yeah, I'm taking him. Or yeah, because I ain't I ain't going that Derrick Henry route. No way. No way. I think I'm going Jefferson for sure. Fuck going it. against my Travis. rule. Fuck it, I'm taking Travis Kelsey because without Hill there, Kelsey's getting the rock every time. That uh, that's a good point. Yeah. But I think you know he kind of took a little downhill slide last year. I don't know, man. He might be getting old. I don't know. I had Kelsey too. He 
Yeah, Kelsey and Chase. There was money in a couple games. Yeah, there there was I, I I think there was one week where Kelsey and Jamar Chase actually just won me the week. Like I think I didn't have any points from anybody except them. Yeah, I think oh. it was against me, so you can kiss my ass. No, no problem. Um last call, guys. Let's let's get up out of here, man. Jim, what you got? Man, so we love talking about our guests and the last three starts for Chad Dallas, a.k.a. The Cheese. You know, uh, I messaged him. He started off rocky, but the last three games, he hasn't given up a run. Specifically this last game, he uh, went six innings, uh, eight Ks, only uh, two hits and a walk. And that's a – I was just looking up his stats. That's a pretty significant deal because he has 64 strikeouts right now to 32 walks, which means he's walking way too many guys. So, you look at last game, only walking one, getting to eight Ks. Um, he's starting to get it together. And I'm really hoping that our boy gets called up for for doing so well because uh, he, he dropped some news on me that I didn't know. I don't know if either of you guys knew this. So, one of the bad things about being drafted by the Blue Jays is when you're in single A, man, you're playing only Canadian teams. Our man is stuck. He is locked down in Canada. Sorry, not for long. Not for long. At least it's warm there right now, right? It's warm everywhere right now. <laughs> everywhere. Actually, actually, it's feeling pretty decent in Memphis. I ain't gonna lie to you. True. Big facts. Uh-huh. In, enjoy it that. just had to rain for the first time in like a year for three straight days <laughs> 72 straight hours <laughs> I, i'll take that right now randy last call what you got so two-part thing you know jim was going to talk about our uh former guest uh raheem rambo forest had a fight um uh, this past weekend was able to catch it live and really what I've, I've i've watched every fight that rambo's been in and what i saw was a lot of growth and i saw him find a different way to win you know he's facing a guy that probably wanted to take you take him to the ground and um force probably everybody going into the fight the analysis was where he wants to keep this on the feet he wants to keep his hands in there and it started off that way the guy had a lot of length db loves it he was throwing some leg kicks really trying to get to those feet so when it went to the ground i got a little worried because the guy's good on the ground good at jits right but what did our boy did he reverses a couple of submission moves and ends up tapping him with an arm bar just showed incredible growth um, in the fight game. And if you could take a guy that has that athleticism, those hands, and also combine it with skills on the ground, that's scary. And I think we will be seeing Forrest in the UFC someday soon. Absolutely. Not to mention, he's so entertaining. So when being a fight guy, when you say someday soon, like, what does that mean? Like, what is a tra- for him now? What would be the trajectory for him to get there the soonest? Honest to goodness, man, if you're asking me that question for the UFC, it actually there is no like direct route. I couldn't say if he does this, this, and this, because honest, it's it there is there's not one that exists. I think what it's gonna take for him um is kind of being a little bit more of a showman, in my opinion. You see guys like Bryce Mitchell that also came up through the local Memphis ranks in the B3 and did his thing. But when Bryce really got his shot, it was also because he was a great fighter. Number one, you have to be that, obviously. And also a great showman. We just talked about it with the Ric Flair thing. And I don't mean to that level, but you got to give him something to sell. If you're not selling tickets on a pay-per-view, Dana White's not calling you up. And, and look, Raheem's got that. So we, we got guys like that. Eric Anders, obviously, he's got that. Got guys like Jaleel Willis that could have that. I think what he's got to do right now 
is keep winning, keep his nose to the ground, and just keep working. I mean, they're going to see him. They're already seeing him. He's signing fights. He's already in the CFFC with our boy Rod Galvin, getting big fights. Those are televised. I mean, it's paid pay-per-view stuff. It's not $89.99. It's like $10.99, but it's affordable for everybody, DB. Keep working, Rambo. Get it. Get it. But what? Hey, second part. They came out, when y'all know I love these lists, with the top 10 most valuable U.S. sports franchises. Ooh, and it goes to show point. you that winning does not matter. Number one. Oh, boys. You know what? Let me count these down from 10 to 1. Number 10, the Boston Red Sox. They come in at $5.07 billion. In last place right now. Number nine, the San Francisco 49ers, $5.18 million. Number eight, the Los Angeles Lakers, $5.63 billion. Number seven was a surprise to me, the New York Giants at 5.75. Number five, the New England Patriots. Number four, no, no, what did I say, number five? What number? Number five is the Los Angeles Rams. They're at 5.91. Number four, we get in, let's get into the top four. Drum roll. Golden State Warriors. They come in at $6.02 billion. And let me tell you before, you, before you move on, that one's significant because I remember what their value was before they were winning titles. 100%. And they were, and they were down towards the bottom of the league, let alone all of sports. When I started researching this, Jim, I started really looking into value of the franchise, and it had obviously winning does. But you know what every one of these teams in the top 10 has done in the last 15 to 20 years? real estate and built new stadiums. It's not just about your, your brand includes real estate deals now. So that's why the Warriors just built that new fancy one out there. But look, this is speaking of a Mecca, Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks winning doesn't matter. $6.12 billion. Staying in New York, number two, the New York Yankees at $7.01 billion. Big jump up there. And number one, the real estate king himself. Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys, at $7.64 billion. So, ladies right. and gentlemen, winning does not matter. Until this year. I mean, Randy, let me ask you, how salty are you, though, like you said the Knicks, like, for instance, like at least the Cowboys, even without winning championships, is relevant. The Knicks ain't relevant at all. Like, regardless of how much they're worth, like, to suck to be worth Jim, that much and suck jim you know what it's you know what tells the tale about the new york knicks when your arena is more famous than your team you suck <laughs> when <laughs> when opposing players have every mega game mj kobe jeremy lynn when their best game comes in your arena you suck I mean, so you're kind of used to that with Neyland Stadium and the Tennessee football team, huh? Nah, bro, we won't be losing there, bro. <laughs> Check that record. <laughs> I had to. I saw an opening. I took it. According to CBS Sports, Tennessee's going to win 7.5 games this year. Don't know how they're going to do that, but that's that's where they're, they're picked. What is this, a communist website, CBS Sports? We're winning nine. <laughs> we see you, Russia. As long as – you know what? I – I always want LSU to just beat Florida and I, and Alabama, and I'm good. Daniel, we're not beating Alabama, so I just want to beat Florida and Tennessee just so I can talk bad to Randy. Hey, do your thing, man. Memphis will be back there playing North Texas and Temple. So we'll, we'll take that. But for me, last call. Y'all want to know who the fittest on earth is going to be, man and female? 
on Wednesday, you'll be able to find out. Wednesday through Sunday, CrossFit Games. If you get a chance, Google it. CrossFit Games. See the live feed. Just take a watch. You'll enjoy it. You can thank me later. But yeah, that's all I got, guys. Y'all ready to get up out of here? Call it a night. So, uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to go compete in CrossFit games. I want to do this. Do it. I'm telling you. Look it up. You'll be it you'll instantly want to go work out. DB, have you ever competed in CrossFit games? I have never. Why not, dude? You're a beast. Did you You're run built for this? I do, I do know my man was going to do a triathlon and damn COVID ruined it. Yeah. He was just short the bike, man. Damn. I mean, it is what it is. You know, maybe one day I'll do that. Before I'm getting, old, you're getting old, you better do it soon. Oh, man. I, my hope is that I, for at least the next 15 years, I can swim a mile, bike 25, and, and run six. I should be able to do that. Me and Randy going to be having walkers in 15 years. I hope yeah. I can even use a walker. I might have one of those little <laughs> wheel, one wheelchair those things. Rascals. Yeah, that's it, a rascal. Matter On fact, that I'm note, about to get it's one. time to bounce. Guys, another great episode. I want to thank our guest, Kadarian Hill, for joining us. Hopefully, you know, you liked his story, or if you just want to hear us average shows, talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone for our next episode. It'll be episode four, where we have on the Savannah Bananas. We're going to be talking to David Meadows and Ty Jackson, the stars of that baseball team. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.